Welcome, new hobby seekers, to episode 261 of the Nurse Travaganza Podcast, where we're always happy to show a newbie the ropes. I'm Tom, and I'm joined, as always, by my esteemed co-hosts and Eclipse survivors, Brian and Cam. What's up, guys? Can't see very well, but I'm alright. <laughs> I'm told your vision returns uh, at some point after staring at the Eclipse. Hope so. Brian, how did you fare? Did you did you listen to all the ninnies say you couldn't look at the sun? Uh, yeah, I, I watched it on NASA's uh, like live stream. It just stayed inside. Yeah. We went out in our car and kind of did our own little uh, e- improvised eclipse viewer, projecting onto my hand, essentially. And uh, it was kind of like twilight, and the temperature dropped precipitously, so it was pretty cool. But we were not in, like, the zone of totality, such that we could have looked up at it, and we weren't going to be <laughs> scalped for glasses. So kind of enjoyed the natural phenomenon. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say underwhelmed, Brian, but I kind of, yeah, I was alive for it. I guess <laughs> I I don't know confused I guess is the word I was confused by this whole like oh it's been 99 years it's once in a lifetime because I remember this from like the third grade yeah I think this is like one of I don't exactly get it this is like one of the few times that they total eclipse would be present in most of our country or something like that but I remember eclipses or these partials happening right yeah, I remember like going outside and doing the whole experiment, like you know, with the box, and you see the shadow on the ground. Right. That was awesome for like a fucking grade school kid. Like, it's probably why I remember it so well. Whatever the significance of this event, it turns out it'll happen again in 2045. So we'll still be around for another hundred years. <laughs> One can hope. Yeah. I think I think we'll make 2045. Right. That's only uh, what is this? 28 years from now. I'm, I'm planning on being around at that time. Hope so. We have to survive the next 33 days because aren't the reptilians supposed to attack or something? Oh, I didn't know where, I didn't know they had plans to attack. Yeah, that this was like the gate opening. Oh. Strange that a spacefaring conqueror a race of conquerors would choose the relative position of a small planet and its satellite to to the sun as <laughs> some kind of a window to attack, but I guess it helped them hide the brilliance of the jump gate. I, I honestly don't know, but there's a lot of discussion. I, I don't know what you want to call, like, the crazy loons who really believe, like, reptilians walk among us. Cra- crazy loons, yeah, would be would be accurate. I don't, um, yeah, I, here's the thing. Like, why hide the brilliance of a jump gate? Because we have zero countermeasures. If you could, like, literally, like, travel, if you have interstellar travel and advanced technology, we could do nothing to stop you. So just show up. <laughs> anyway all right if we survive the reptilian onslaught hopefully we live to see the next eclipse uh in some awesome you know cyber enhanced way such that we'll be able to look at it with our naked eyes and not suffer damage <laughs> <laughs> but that little aside now aside tonight's topic is not actually the eclipse though we couldn't help but mention that historic event uh actually we are going to discuss another historic event which is this year's Gen Con, which Cam attended, and we're going to approach this uh, with Cam acting in the role of uh, an ambassador for for gaming, and he's going to convince Brian and I, who are looking for a new hobby, what things at Gen Con are so compelling that we should probably give gaming a chance. This is non-video gaming, by the way, in case the audience doesn't know. 
unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into that uh, bit of theater, we should probably kick things off with our... What, what's the act before the act? A pre-act? Opening act? There we go. Prologue? <laughs> sure. With our opening act and or prologue. That being, of course, our Weekly Geekly, Geekly Weekly Update. And Brian, how would you like to go first? Uh, not a terribly exciting time. I, I kind of watching the news roll in from, from Gen Con and trying, uh, and I do mean trying, to find something to play on PS4. Oh, that, that, that No Man's Sky update didn't suck you in? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I don't know. It's still the same game. They just give you daily quests, which is kind of the thing I hate, like, third or fourth most in the world. <laughs> Dailies? Yeah. Didn't didn't they add, like, a uh, like a story mode or something now? Or is it that just dailies? Well, it it is a story, but how you resolve that story is to just run around, like, doing FedEx quests. Oh. It's direction, but it's not, like, terribly exciting to me. I, I will say the story was pretty interesting in that game. I, I might, one of these days, like, if I ever break a leg, maybe I'll, you know, catch up on it. The writing was pretty decent. <laughs> wow what that speaks well of the game if i ever break a leg i will uh i'll sit down and play no man's sky <laughs> brian there's always final fantasy 15 that you could dust off and continue oh that was so bad did you ever like restart that or uh i do have it i purchased it i installed it that is actually in my uh queue to play which i'll get to during my update so yeah i could embark again have fun with that <laughs> on watching the characters drive the, the car without you there's, there's something like sublime about it man i don't i don't I, it is stupid it's not f- like gameplay it's like s- a slow version of fast travel but i don't know something about that game and the diners and the whole thing just kind of pulled me in oddly oddly <laughs> very oddly <laughs> uh anything else man uh, getting ready, kind of. I mean, technically, I'm getting ready for MizuCon this weekend. Cool. I, uh, I'm kind of excited by that, but there's really not a lot I can do until, like, you know, Thursday. Got to pack the truck and all that kind of stuff. So, mental preparedness for MizuCon, I guess. So, MizuCon is a local South Florida convention that one of, one of my favorites when I was still living down there, actually. And uh, you'll be going with Lester from LAE cosplay photography is that right yep we're uh doing fashion cosplay photography at the convention so that's uh that's always fun i mean it's kind of bittersweet for me i like attending conventions and this is not really attending this is working so i like it a little bit less than i like going but it's still it's still good fun cool man well you're you're working in the industry so to speak so yeah a lot of people would like that all right. You know what? Uh, yeah, Cam, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna go let you go next, Cam. But you tend to, you tend to report some news, so I didn't want to put you on double duty. No worries. Um, yeah, I uh, <clears throat> last this whole last week I was at Gen Con, and also I'll save that stuff for uh, that that segment of the show. Um, went up on Monday last week. Today is Monday. For sorry to ruin the you know 
the magic of, of radio for, for everyone listening out there. But, uh, so I've been there for exactly a week. Uh, got back this morning, had some work to do and stuff today. So that's all I really did. So my week has literally been Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con all day, all night. Uh, I was there of course with yellow games, uh, and, uh, we had an amazing time and, uh, we'll get more into that when we, uh, talk about Gen Con in our, in our main segment. Sounds good. And that brings it around to me. Uh, I have actually been, let's see, I survived the eclipse, as we said at the beginning. And apart from that, I've been doing a little video gaming. I actually finally beat the next game in my list, uh, the Tomb Raider game from 2015, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Nice. Not only did I beat the game with pretty much 100% completion, I also went and downloaded the DLC pack, which was called like Season of the Witch or Dungeon of the Witch or something, where basically like you're like fighting the evil Russian witch Baba Yaga. Yeah. So that was cool. But finish that. And as I actually am kind of getting to the end of my crazy, well, I may have probably just forgotten most of my backlog at this point. (laughs) It occurred to me, I could probably start queuing up some more games. So Final Fantasy 15 is actually next in my list of two plays. But there were some other games I wanted to make sure I got in my collection before they became like greatest hits or unavailable. So I went online, went on Amazon.com. Uh, it's a that's an e-commerce site in case you haven't heard of it, where you can buy things. And uh, scrappy little upstart that it is, I picked up Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, very discounted, you know, because it's an older game now. Uncharted Four also at a very heavy discount, and Gears of War Four, like the the tin can edition or whatever that comes with all the special crap and the metal case and everything. So two games for the PS4 and one for the xbox one uh, at a deep discount because well I, I guess it pays to be behind in gaming right you, you get all the games cheaper later so i've got those to look forward to i i'm kind of tempted to play one of those that seem a little more manageable than final fantasy but i really want to play final fantasy so that may yet be my next game you better run through systems you can play them both at the same time oh <laughs> that's true while they're driving i could play something else right <laughs> i could play xbox while they're driving the car around that's a great <laughs> idea brian Oh, I also picked up another game. So I mentioned those all first because those are on the PlayStation and the Xbox One and, of course, are discounted being older games. So I also picked up Breath of the Wild for the Wii U because I don't have a Switch yet. Breath of the Wild's been out for a while, and I think it was like fifty nine ninety nine when it came out. What do you guys think I paid for it now all these months later? Fifty nine ninety nine. <laughs> that is correct. Nintendo does not discount. <laughs> Uh, I, I may even, for all I know, I paid more than when it first came out. Yeah, they do not discount, and uh, I'm paying full freight. You get it from yeah. Amazon. I did. Yeah, they totally yeah. paid more. They give twenty percent off new games. Uh, Amazon does, or yeah, Amazon first two weeks. Oh of man. Oh wow! I should have bought it when it came out. Then you're prime, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a prime member. Well, good to know for future reference, but I'm always behind the times. Well, we have a news story that deals with that, actually, gentlemen. So. Not so fast, but we'll get to oh, that. All right. Segment. Well, I'm eager to hear that news story. And so uh, let's see. I'll just I'll just finish up with one more little tidbit. I actually uh, – I engaged my companion. I uh, Yes. Congrats. Yes. Congratulations. I proposed a union of marriage, and she found that plausible. So <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. I said congrats online because I was at Gen Con, but this is actually the first time we've talked since then. And so I just wanted to give you my uh, 
Heartfelt congratulations, man. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I uh, think Abby's a great addition to your life. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how married life treats me. We'll see how we'll see how that affects the show when you when we're both married men, Cam. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far off now. We just have to apply, then we'll apply pressure to Brian until he succumbs. Then we'll be the married extravaganza podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be by the next eclipse when Brian finally decides to settle down. Put you up to this, didn't they? <laughs> nobody put you up to. Nobody put us up to it, Brian. I promise. So twenty-eight years till the next uh, eclipse. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> anyway, that's it for me. Just wanted to mention that as a little aside at the end. You know, it's pretty big news. And speaking of news, I think that brings us around to our next segment, which is, of course, the news extravaganza. Yes, sir. So, Brian, you are correct that Amazon Prime uh, used to give the 20% off for brand new games. They're stopping uh, Up that? to two weeks. Yes. Oh, I love that service, uh, actually. Discount is no longer available. There will no longer be 20% off new games. Uh, but you still can get 20% off pre-ordered games. Really? Ah. Yes, but it used to be that up to two weeks from the release date and pre-orders, you would get the 20% off. Now it's only pre-orders. That doesn't affect me, but sucks for people who did take advantage of that because I'm always buying games late. Um, yeah. I wonder why. I, I would think that would be a competitive thing with like some of the discount programs at the other gaming retailers. I think holding on to your money when you pre-purchase is just that big a deal. Oh, so they just get that free money in. It's a guaranteed purchase, but they get what interest or something on it. I mean, how how many millions do they collect interest on? That's true. Like, if you think about it in in microcosm, like I, I give them sixty bucks, what are they gonna what are they gonna do with it? But like, I'm one of thousands that do that, and they have, and that's before they even pay any money out for inventory, right? So it's yeah. all just money in their pocket. Yeah, or, or in their their account, a corporate account anyway. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Oh, well, okay. So pre-order, that's that's the way to go. That That is the most consumer-friendly trend in the industry ever. So that is sad news for uh, non-pre-order game buyers, but uh, it's not the first time Amazon just sort of dumped, dumped, has dumped discounts. I mean, they, you know, Prime used to be like 20% off for everybody, you know, way back in the day. Uh, they dump that. They're they're dumping discounts left and right, and they can. You know, the more market share they gain, the more they can dump. Basically, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know it's just funny that always like weird news comes out of Japan. But um, so in Japan, you know they have those like crazy all night like gaming cafes or gaming like like video game arcades and like uh super happy fun time game. You know what I mean? Like all these crazy weird lights buzzing around and, and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, they caught a guy that they believe has been living like from arcade to arcade for like years. He's been living in, he just goes and lives in them. So like he'll wedge himself in between the games and like go to sleep for a few hours and then move <laughs> on to another one. He was just like running a circuit around all these different video game arcades and just like using them as his like apartment basically. Okay. I wonder what gave him away. Like was he the most stinky of all the stinky arcade residents or? I don't know. They just, I guess they finally found it. I mean, like, I think they knew things were happening. Like, you know, they would find like food wrappers and all kinds of stuff happening. And then, uh, 
you know, they knew someone was there and something was going on. And then uh, they found him wedged in between uh, uh, two arcade games, basically. Wow. Sleeping. Yeah. So he'd hang there, he'd sleep there, sleep after hours. Um, they said it was hard to find him because they these, like, little arcades are very dimly lit. And, you know, if you get wedged into a little dark spot, you know, no, and, and you're doing it after hours when there's, like, one employee on, uh, on staff, you know, on, on duty. Uh, it's kind of hard to get, you know, kind of hard to miss or easy to miss someone. Uh, that sounds like a dream come true to like 12 year old me. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. That's I, I that would have been my dream when I was a kid. Uh, apparently this, this guy was, has a troubled past. He used to live with his mother. Uh, they had a falling out. She threw him out of the house. Uh, and this was in Kobe city where, 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 where this happened. And, um, so he started just hanging out at 24 hour manga cafes and just like sort of sleeping in cheap, you know, sleazy lodging houses. Uh, but then he had the brilliant idea. Hey, why don't I just sleep in between video games, <laughs> video games at an arcade? And it worked for quite a while. I think his downfall ultimately though, was that he was robbing nearby like schools and buildings. Oh yeah. And, and he stole like, he, he, he stole like, like $12,000 worth of stuff from neighboring buildings, businesses, a, like a, a local high school or junior high school. Um, they said he stole like used PE kits, like physical education, like outfits, which is kind of gross. That uh, is I, gross, but I, was, I suspect he's high. gross. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it was a junior high. Like it wasn't like he was wearing them, to, you know, taking them to wear. He was probably doing some kind of deviant shit. With oh them. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ew. Um, but yeah, so that was his downfall. And, um, but you know, ironically now he has free housing. Oh, in jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, he's actually, uh, I think it actually benefited him. But no games to play. He, he, I don't know if they have arcades in Japanese prisons. The games you want ain't the games you get. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right, Brian. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's the, uh, no, not so fun time arcade you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was that and you know, just a little more weird news. Um, so we all know about the, so, you know, about the sex dolls that people buy sometimes like the, the real life, like the real dolls, I guess they call them. No, what are those? (laughs) What is that? I'm not saying you guys have them or have used them. I'm just, we, we all know of them, right? I mean, yes. Um, well, so what do you think is the most requested celebrity lookalike sex doll? Uh, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> that would be amazing if it was, but it's not. What's your guess, Brian? Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's Tom a Cruise? female. I'll give you guys each one more guess. It's a female and she's white. <laughs> um, uh, Ivanka Trump. Is that the wife or the the daughter? No, no, uh, what, Ivanka, Ivanka's the daughter. Melania is the is the wife. Okay, one. So yeah, Ivanka's my guess. <laughs> Brian, one more guess. Uh, think, uh, think old school, not new school. Marilyn. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, really? Marilyn Marilyn Monroe is the number one requested sex bot or sex doll lookalike. I am surprised. I was hugely surprised as well because, I mean, who even, like, thinks about Marilyn Monroe anymore? You know what I mean? It's not like you're, like, going online and, like, 
beating your meat to pick pin up photos of Marilyn Monroe. You know what I mean? Or right. if you've got a magazine, you like go watch, online and there's whatever you want. Some watches some old black and white movie that just gets you excited. I don't even understand. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I think maybe it's maybe, I think maybe it speaks to the demographics of who are buying these. Maybe. Oh, it's older, older gentlemen maybe, or yeah, uh, that, that's my guess, but who knows? I don't, uh, I don't see the appeal in a sex doll. It's, I mean, it, it's just a big, like, flopping piece of rubber, I would assume, right? It doesn't, like, move under its own power or anything, I would guess, right? Like, Not yet. Yeah, no, it's just... Yeah, it's <laughs> so just not a, yet? Per- yeah. It's just a rubber object with some holes, basically. I mean... Right. I don't... That just seems like... I don't know. Like, I, I they make smaller, more manageable uh, devices that, that would seem to fit that... It would seem to get the job done without going for like this, you know, having some 80 pound piece of presumably silicon that you've got to lug around. They're clean. And uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. The only thing that sort of got me was that I guess a lot of them being purchased. Are, well, by the way, they don't make them that they don't make them look to look like Marilyn because they're not allowed. Obviously, they can't use their Marilyn Monroe's likeness oh, okay. uh, without the, the family's permission. So they say no, that they just say that's number one requested and they have to decline. Um, but apparently a big part of their business is not just weird deviants. It's um, people who've like lost their spouses. Oh. And so they get a doll that looks like them to like sort of ease the pain, like you know, something to <laughs> sleep next to them. I mean, I, I don't know about like sexually, but like, you know, sleep next to them in the bed and like, you know, it's, I don't know. That's kind of right. creepy to me. But... That's way worse than anything I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just found it like just extremely sad and just kind of like pitiful. Like, you, I mean, I get it. Like your your wife or your husband's gone. That's horrible. But I don't I know mean, that they would want you to have some rubber doll looking like them next to you. Yeah. Imagine you go over and let's just assume it's dad in this case. You go over to dad's place and mom has passed and you find his sex doll and it's got, it's like an eerie, are you more creeped out if it's completely different than mom or if it's like mom, but like with like, you know, bigger breasts or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? like he upgraded her while he, when he oh replaced my her. God. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I think I would be freaked the fuck out either way, but I don't know what's worse, if it's something different or the same. Like, I think I would be more freaked out if I saw, like, a doll of my mom. I just think I would, just, I would be freaked out just in general. Um, but I guess I sort of would understand why my dad did it. I would, right. Uh, I would rather find, like, a fucking goat or something. than a... Really? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. But then it's like, if it doesn't look like her, then it's like, you're cheating on her, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, imagine this conversation. Like, honey, you know... When you pass away, I don't want you to be alone. You should get a doll that looks just like me. Oh, uh, well, I was thinking maybe I would, you know, go go blonde this next time. What? Well, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, well, either way, I won't be purchasing one of those anytime soon, but I don't, you know, I don't judge. Hey, if that's what you want, great. Um, you know, whatever gets you by, right? I don't think I would purchase one, period. Like, if, if it, like could walk around and like do other things around the house and make itself useful besides that. And I wasn't like, you know, happily uh, engaged to the most wonderful companion ever already. Of course. <laughs> that I could see it making sense. But honestly, just there'd just be something creepy about some, like I, I just imagine some floppy, like silicone appendaged thing. And I don't see how that's like a turn on. 
I, I, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I mean, am I am I selling these things short? Uh, that just doesn't seem appealing. I mean, I, I'm all for toys, but I I agree with you. Like, there's there's much smaller, cheaper, easier to clean ones out there. <laughs> easier to clean, right? <laughs> oh, I never even thought about the cleanup aspect. Well, you just take a shower with it. Never mind. All right, I don't want to get into it. All right. Um, And then, of course, Tom, we mentioned the uh, eclipse at the beginning of the show. Everybody was losing their mind for it. Um, You know, I think it was cool, but I mean, I don't know that I would have spent the money that a lot of people spent to go and stay. And, you know, you have to be in the totality zone and all that or whatever. Right. It's cool and all. You know, I kind of looked outside a little bit today out the window and. It, everything was dark and that was cool. And I watched the videos online and all right. But, uh, other than that, you know, uh, it wasn't really that exciting for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you were in the zone of totality or whatever it's called, then you got to actually see the stars come out and stuff. That might've been kind of cool. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. If you look, if you were in the totality zone, great, then go outside, check it out. That's cool. But like, down here, I mean, it just got dark for a little bit, and that was it. Did it go dark or just like twilight for you guys? It was like twilightish for me. Yeah, that's how it. It, it was weird because the, the morning was brightening, and then it suddenly got like back to twilight. And then I, I doubt this happened in Florida because the humidity kind of keeps the temperature pretty within a narrow band there. But the temperature dropped pretty precipitously here. Like we were like, man, it's cold. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it was like. I was like doing stuff and then I realized it looked like it got dark and I was like, sort of like, you know how, like when it's going to rain or something like, I, like just what I could tell from inside the house, I was like, is it going to rain? What's going on? I was like, Oh no, it's the eclipse. And so I kind of poked my head out and then, uh, that was it. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, people have been losing their mind for that. And we talked about it too, about the, the freaking people selling those goggles or whatever, those for like yeah. 30 bucks for oh, gouging people dollar 99 pair of eclipse goggles and people were selling them for yeah that that gets better. we we've done an episode on gouging and not paying for scalpers and stuff yeah. it's sucky that they did that yeah well but hopefully uh everyone had a good time watching it and uh didn't burn their eyeballs and so with <laughs> that i will end the news all right that ends the news uh I, I'd, I'd say I could see that the news segment's over, but my eyeballs are are now missing. <laughs> Searing. Just a quick aside before we move on to tonight's topic. Why do they have to keep telling people, like, don't look at the sun. Don't look at part of the sun. Don't look at when the sun's peeking around the moon. Just don't. You cannot look up at the sun. Like, thought that was like a thing everybody knew. Yeah, well, the leader of the free world still did it, so maybe we shouldn't beat that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that real? Did, did President Trump really was he was that really him looking up at the eclipse, or is that him just look, looking at the sky or something? That's got to be fake because I, I I saw like a video of him looking at it, and they had okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's no way they would have let him do that. It's impossible. It's pretty not, uh, it's not impossible, but <laughs> it says a lot about the country and and the state of uh, esteem that. <laughs> that this guy holds for a lot of our, our countrymen that, <laughs> that that beam is like eagerly believed. Oh God. Everyone's believing it. Everyone is passing it around. It's like wildfire. I saw the eclipse, you know, it was, it was stupid. You know, what kind of a loser does it, you know, needs goggles. I looked right at it. Yeah. And then the sun came right back. Believe me, it came right back. I, I'm no fan <laughs> of his, but I'd, I'd give him a lot more 
credit for natural curiosity than I would for him being a jerk about some things. Come on, you weren't tempted to take your glasses off? I didn't have any. And so I, I, I'll admit to have st- having stole glances up at it, like through our... We were in our car that has like a tinted window and then a sunshade and then I had sunglasses on and then we were doing our little improvised viewer, but I kept glancing up to just note that the sun was partially obscured. I was, I mean, I could see maybe why people ended up getting their eyes burnt (laughs) out of curiosity, but I don't know. I exercised an abundance of caution and I would assume the president would be advised to do the same. I can't imagine anyone would have let him walk out there and do that. There's no way. I mean, I would think we'd have it in the budget to buy even a, you know, an inflated pair of goggles for the guy. So, I mean, CNN's reporting it with video. I, I think that was real guys. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That just shows he, he's probably like, what, what's the, what, what's the big deal? I'm not afraid of this, but I'll say again, that's the most human thing I've ever seen the guy do. So. <laughs> okay. So it's endearing. Got it. <laughs> Got it. We are politically neutral here on the nerds Travaganza podcast folks, just in case you can't pick up on that. <laughs> Speaking of neutrality, Cam, I don't think you're neutral at all when it comes to gaming. You're in the industry. You attend the events. It is in your interest as a hobbyist and an industry person to, I think, uh, have people develop an interest in uh, tabletop and board gaming. Are all those fair statements? Yeah. Very fair statements, yes. All right. So it's time for you to put on your shameless uh, advocate uh, cap, if you will, and Having just finished up uh, at Gen Con, where you were representing uh, Yellow Games, uh, convinced Brian and I, who are going to play the part of, you know, would-be hobbyists, just what kind of exciting things are coming out that that we should get into uh, in our first foray into tabletop and board gaming. They're better than sex dolls? (laughs) (laughs) They're easier to clean up. Yeah, much easier to clean. (laughs) Um Well, I mean, it's no secret that I'm a huge gamer. I love board games. I work for a board game company. It's my, you know, my probably I'd say number one hobby. Um, But, you know, it's not for everybody. So I wouldn't want to convince everyone to do it because it's, you know, some people just aren't going to be into it. But, you know, I think that anyone that has any kind of interest at all in board games, uh, anyone that's played board games as a kid and then sort of now is interested, uh, you know, or maybe wants to have just some sort of unplugged hobby. Cause I truly think that anyone, uh, everyone, I should say, um, these days with us being so, you know, overly connected, but utterly disconnected in terms of this, the internet and our phones and social media and all that stuff. Um, you need, you need an outlet where you can have some real life social interaction with people. Um, and for me, that's board games. Doesn't have to be board games for you. Some people it's golf, some people it's, you know, CrossFit, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But, um, to me, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite things to do in life is to sit down with a group of friends, break out a game, play, have fun, talk shit, you know, strategize, get your brain going. It's just, it just, everything that's good about life rolled into one. You know, you can have a drink if you're a drinker, you know, you have some food, you, you make it a, a lifestyle, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle sort of thing, you know, like, uh, you get together with your friends and, and you, you just have a good time. And so I, I really love things like Gen Con and Origins and all the other big conventions that really bring a lot of people together and just, just showcase the hobby so that, you know, and just really show people that there's just so many games out there. There's, there's a game for everybody out there. 
And um, this year was the 50th anniversary of Gen Con. Uh, it was the first time ever in its history that it's been sold out. And uh, it, there was 70,000 people, like individual people. Wow. Uh, there from Thursday to Sunday. And, and so I don't, I don't know what the turnstile number was. I'm sure it was in the 200,000s. But uh, 70,000 individual SKUs uh, were there. And that's wow. not counting – that's not counting vendors. That's not counting, you know, like people like me that are in, that are there, you know, as an exhibitor, as a publisher. Um, that's not counting guests and celebrities like our good friend, Allison Hayslip, uh, media, things like that. So it was a huge event and it was a lot of people's first Gen Con, which is amazing as well. It's just shows the growth of the industry and so many people, you know, and it's really great for new people getting into the hobby because they see just, the, the range of, of products that are available. It's just, it's just a great thing. And, and, and I'm really, really excited about how far the, the, the industry of the niche, the, you know, the hobby has come. And I'm really excited about how, how much, you know, there is in store for it. Awesome, man. That's quite an endorsement of the hobby and, and it's, it's growing popularity. I would say, do you agree, Brian? I sure hope so. Yeah, th that, that definitely, strikes a more optimistic tone than, than some things I've heard about, you know, kind of retailers having a hard time and so on. So, Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are, you know, some warts, uh, there, uh, there, there are some problems in the industry, just like in any industry, just like in anything. Um, you're correct. The, the mom and pop, if you will, games, game store, local game store is definitely struggling. Um, and just like we talked about earlier with Amazon, they, the bigger they get, the more they're taking from other people to quote the movie monsters, uh, or mobsters, I should say, you know, the, the bigger piece of the pie they have, the more crumbs, the other people have to, have to, you know, run after. And the, the game stores are really having a hard time, uh, keeping up with these online sales because they just don't have the margins to discount the way that Amazon and some of the online, other online retailers can do. So there's upheaval within the industry. If you are an industry, if, if you're trying to make your living there as a retailer, but as a consumer, the industry is growing and becoming more uh, inviting. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, there's two ways to, two ways to look at it. So with the growth of these online retailers and Amazon and stuff like that, it's great for existing fans or, or existing people in the hobby because they can get more games cheaper. Right now, Game stores will tell you and certain other people in the industry will tell you that, yeah, that's great for the people that are already in the games, in the, in the gaming hobby that are already into games. But where are new people going to come from? Uh, where, where are new people, new fans going to come from? Because these game stores have typically been a hub of <clears throat> people coming in, playing games with existing players and then becoming fans themselves of board games. And so the idea is, well, if you're just buying games online and the local game stores die out, then there's going to be no more growth of purchasers because there's going to be no adding of, of new people to the board games, uh, board game industry. I don't know that holds water that because the, the counterpoint is that, well, those people that are buying games are going to play with someone or they're going to play somewhere. They don't have to play at a game store. They can play at home. They can have their friends over and maybe their friends have never played and then they get into it. The more, you know, they're buying, they're still buying games and they're still playing with other people. And so the, the games are going to catch on that way. Also, uh, 
that counter to that argument is that board game cafes are a huge thing right right now. Yeah. They've been popping up all over the country. And so they've changed their model from retailing because they know, all right, look, look I'm not going to be able to, you know, keep up with Amazon and these other retailers. So I'm going to offer an experience rather than a product. Smart people. So I'll get a nice, what's that, Brian? Smart people. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a library together and, uh, of games and I'll offer, so, so really they're not a, they're more of a food and beverage business than actually a board game business, but they still support the hobby because they buy a lot of games. They showcase a lot of those games to people that might not otherwise play them. Um, and they bring new fans to the, to the hobby. Um, and so where that's all going to come down, how that's all going to shake out. I, I can't tell you, I have no idea. I mean, I have my own ideas about it, but you know, I've been known to be wrong once or twice before in my life. So, you know, uh, we'll see how it pans out. Interesting. Uh, I, I know we've discussed this before and c- kind of come to the conclusion that to survive as a sort of a showcase business you know, where you want gamers to come and play and, and so on, you can offer games for sale, but you need something more. I know we've discussed this very topic on at least one uh, occasion. Uh, and it sounds like, honestly, the food and drink service in addition is the way to go. It's a way to go. Yeah, food, alcohol. Um, a lot of these places do, at a minimum, um, gaming fees. So, like, you just have, you know, you can come in and play, but you got to pay like a $5 fee or something like that, you right. know? Others do like a time sort of base thing or, or even like a, you can come in and you can play, but you've got to spend five bucks an hour in either food or beverage or just straight cash, you know? Uh, and that, and that makes sense because you, you don't want someone coming in and just sitting there forever, you know, uh, and taking up your tables and, and your space. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of ways for, like Brian said, smart people to still make money in the business. Uh, you just have to be adaptable and, uh, you know, you you just got to change with the times. All right. Makes sense to me. So there's still, there's still a way forward if you're interested in uh, breaking into the industry on that level. For sure. Let's, uh, let's talk uh, some games now. Like uh, let's say we found a, a venue that we wanted it. We wanted it that seemed friendly and inviting enough and we're kicking back a few beers and you're kind of, you're working there and you want to recommend some things to us or anything specifically out of Gen Con that comes to mind or just anything in general. If you could, if it, if it could be an example from Gen Con, that's obviously more topical, but if there's just a game in general or games in general that you should, even a genre that you would recommend, kind of want to share that with our listeners who, who may be considering jumping in. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously I'm, I'm biased uh, and, and I, I like yellow games. Um, but it, it's, it's not even that far of a leap for me. Um, you know, King of Tokyo is our, is our flagship game. And the great thing about King of Tokyo is it's easy to learn. You learn it in two minutes, uh, and easy to play. I mean, any, you know, a four year old kid can play King of Tokyo, but it's still f- fun for people that are in their eighties. You know what I mean? Um, so those are the kind of games, the so-called gateway games, um, that I would recommend, uh, to anyone that's sort of new to gaming, um, King of Tokyo, Ticket to Ride, um, you know, there's a ton of different gateway games out there that, um, many people like Catan is one of them, things like that, uh, which is, you know, that's a huge game that a lot of people have been playing for many years and that has had a huge resurgence recently. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, so as far as getting people into the hobby, I would say look for those gateway games. You can find lists of gateway games all over the internet. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, other than King of Tokyo, I'm not going to push any, um, sure. more, speci- more, more specifically, but, uh, um, I think specifically at a Gen Con, um, there was a ton of hot new releases. Um, our release was, was called Mountains of Madness, uh, which is based on the, well, it is a, you know, I guess a interpretation of the, uh, Lovecraft, uh, novella into the Mountains of Madness. Um, and basically you're climbing up a mountain. It's a cooperative game, which you guys know what cooperative games are, I'm sure. But for anyone out there who's listening, cooperative games are where you guys are all playing together against the game. So you have to work together to solve puzzles and challenges and different things and basically survive to win the game. And so you guys are a party that's moving up a mountain to try to get to your plane to escape the mountain. But the mountain is possessed by old deep magic and it is slowly making you go insane. And so you're working together to try to keep each other alive and uh, as sane as possible in order to escape. Um, and so if that sounds like fun for you, I would pick up mountains of madness. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I will shill for another, uh, you know, I, I'm not just going to shill for yellow though. I, I will <laughs> okay. say that, um, wh- while I was at Gen Con, I did pick up a, a game that I love, uh, and it's called century spice road. Hmm. Um, I, I actually got the original edition when I was at, uh, origins in June back in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but for Gen Con, they came out with a Gollum edition, which is this alternate art. Um, and alternate component set that they have. Um, and it is, it's just spectacular. It's beautiful. Um, so that was my like number one pickup there at, uh, Gen Con aside from, you know, um, Mountains of Madness, which, um, which I really love as well. How does that um, game, yeah. how does that game play, Cam? So, so Century Spice Road is like a, uh, is like a Splendor. If, if anyone's ever played Splendor, I know you guys have, but if anyone out listening has played Splendor, um, you're essentially getting cards and then you're using those cards to, inc- to build an engine to get resources. And then you're using those resources to purchase victory point cards. Uh, and those victory point cards, uh, uh, basically get you to winning the game, essentially. If you get more victory points at the end of the game by, than everyone else, you win. And it's, it's a very simple, quick, easy game to learn. Uh, it's a little more, uh, in depth and, and, and more strategy, I would say, obviously, than like King of Tokyo or one of those gateway games, but it's also very accessible for, for someone who really hasn't, you know, isn't into gaming. Would you characterize that game and like Splendor as kind of like a sort of a resource cornering type of game or something like that? Or, yeah, it's more, I think it's more of an engine builder. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like an, it's a resource management and sort of en- engine building type game because you have to manage the resources you have to most efficiently build your engine. And then once your engine is built, you're, you're continuing to manage those resources most efficiently while you're purchasing the cards. Okay. Or, you know, getting your victory points. And you mean, you mean engine here in a general sense, not like literal like turbine or, or yeah, and, and, and engine yeah. and just in terms of generating the resources for okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I, I did. I have really enjoyed Splendor, even though my my record at winning is is not high. And so, <laughs> if that if that's similar, that that's the one I might I might consider getting into. Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, I would definitely check out Century Spice Road. It is a uh, it is a really good game, and my companion is like obsessed with it. She keeps making me play it. 
Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad that, that has to be great to have a uh, companion who's uh, pro gaming, huh? Yeah. I, I, look, I wouldn't go far go so far as say uh, saying she's like pro. She she likes games and she doesn't mind that I love games. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, a- anytime I can get her excited about a game, it's it's a win for both of us. So it's cool. Nice. Nice. That's an, and that's another uh, reason to consider gaming. It's a hobby that you could potentially share with your loved ones. Um, kind of gets into the social aspect you were talking about at the beginning, but that's a, that's a much more personal, intimate social aspect, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, like significant other, kids, family, whatever. That's that's the great thing about gaming is it just sort of brings people together. And you never truly know someone until you've played board games with them because the daggers come out man they really really do <laughs> yeah uh and that term daggering is one that i picked up from you uh, <laughs> yeah. camp. when somebody just kind of you know because you're trying to win so you 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 behave in a somewhat ruthless manner in order to bring about the desired outcome and you yes. dagger somebody <laughs> absolutely right um Brian, you liking what you're hearing? Uh, the, the, would any of these sound appealing to you as a you know new gamer? Yeah, I actually um, not not just from Cam, but I, I heard all kinds of good things out of out of Gen Con for uh, uh, Mountains of Madness. I, I would I would definitely be interested enough to play that one. We were at the uh, top of the hot list on Board Game Geek for quite a while. Yeah. So for people who haven't played kind of a cooperative game like that. I think I may have played similar games or games that are in that general genre. You said you're kind of going crazy. Is there sort of a crazy counter ticking down that's making you behave in more erratic ways as you play? Sort of. Um, yeah. In a lot of games, that's they sort of like have a madness level. Uh, in Mountains of Madness, it's different. You there's 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 just three separate levels of madness. There's you know one, two, and three. Um, if you're at level one, you get a level one madness card. And it's sort of, it, it's sort of, it's almost like a, a role playing aspect where you, what you have to do what the card tells you to do. So, um, there's sort of like a time when you, 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 you're acting, you know, sort of outside of the game, sort of where you're like, you know, just doing like administrative actions, I guess. Uh, but then there's like an actual 30 seconds it, where you're actually, doing the thing that you you have to be doing in the game, which is pooling your resources and trying to accomplish a mission. And during that time period is when your madness card kicks in. And so a level one, a level one madness card might say something annoying. Like you can, uh, you have to like look up at the sky when you're talking, you can't talk directly at someone, you know, <laughs> or you have to do this, you have to do that. So it's like a minor annoyance. It isn't anything too bad. Um, the level two madness cards gets a little tougher. Like you can only, uh, you have to like raise your hand and someone has to say yes, you know, or, or, or speak, you know, before you can like say something or, you know, or you have to like, you can only talk from like with your back against the, the farthest wall in the room, things like that. So like you, you're, you have these weird quirks or weird like madness things that are, that you're going through and you can't tell your other players what exactly it is. They just have to sort of guess and then go with it as you guys are working together to try to solve the problem. I see. Okay. Okay. And then you can't even acknowledge it when it goes back to the sort of the administrative step. Uh, you just have to be like, what? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I wasn't talking like my 
mouth was full of peanut butter, you, you know, like you just, you just have to ignore it because you were mad, but then now you've come back to sanity. Interesting. That's <laughs> so, so player behavior is erratic. It's not just like you're reading a card and your, your character undergoes X, Y, Z transformation. Right. Uh, right. That's cool. It's not just, it's not just a counter. It's an actual role you have to play. I see. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's a great game. The art is gorgeous. I don't know, Brian, if you saw the art for it. It's it's yeah, uh, so. it's just killer. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's a really great game. Um, and just as a side note, um, we had a press party on Thursday night, and Allison, a friend of the show, Hey Slip, was there. Uh, also, Yellow Ambassador, uh, she is our uh, the the face of our brand, basically. And uh, she was there, and she was going apeshit playing that game. It was absolutely amazing. She was jumping up and down. She was like getting the t- like she was like the total, she was like the total team leader. She was making sure everybody was doing all their jobs. She was you know keeping everyone on track. It was just it was amazing watching her play that game. She she's she she loved it. Nice. So a game to be enjoyed with a uh, powerful team leader. <laughs> Sounds like. Yeah. Well, not necessarily a powerful team leader, but just uh, it, it's a game that gets everybody excited. Okay, or not? <laughs> I'm yeah. trying. To, I'm trying to like kind of shill for it as I uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. discuss it. So Al- Allison is a big gamer in her own right. So it's not like she was uh, uh, somebody who doesn't play games. You know, <laughs> coming into to discover play this for the first time. Yeah, it wasn't a stretch for her. She yeah, but but uh, but she yeah she uh, she she. Just hit the floor running, though, for sure. Okay. And would you say that this game, this is a, I'm walking into a game store, there's a friendly person, you know, in the vein of Allison, who's going to be a good, you know, sort of a instruction person at the table. Do you think I could get right into this game? Yes. It is very simple to learn. Okay. Um, it's literally move. It, it, I mean, it's like there's very, there's five or six different steps. You just, they're all on your player card. It's step one, okay, I do this. Step two, I do that. Step three, okay. You know, it's just very simple, very easy to catch on to. Once you've played one round, you know the game. That's it. Okay. Cool. It's it, it's it's one of those games that's easy to easy to easy to learn, hard to master. Gotcha. So, you know, you can you can know all the rules, but that doesn't necessarily you're gonna mean you're gonna do very well because it, it then it's gonna come down to how you guys interact together as a team. Uh, and how well you manage the different situations that come up. Gotcha. Okay. Brian, um, you said you were kind of following the Gen Con news. Was there something maybe that you noted that you took note of that Cam hasn't mentioned? Uh, I was following some Robotech stuff, some Kingdom Death stuff, which, I mean, I kind of get it, Cam. I know you didn't want to spend like literally thousands of dollars on a board game, but I do not know how you resisted that temptation. Oh my God! The Kingdom Death, uh, the the Kickstarter, wasn't it like two thousand bucks or something like that, or twelve hundred dollars, something like that? I, I think yeah, I think sixteen hundred dollars for everything that's available. Yeah, no chance, no way. <laughs> and I've seen that box; it's literally like a coffin. It is huge and weighs like twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. Nope, no thanks. <laughs> uh, so I. I, I want to say both of those titles were kickstarters at one time right brian yes okay and these are both miniature 
what is the what is the genre for for both Robotech and Kingdom Death? Well, Robotech is kind of like a, a skirmish war game. Like you know, you actually like measure it out and fire missiles and have a character sheet and everything. Kingdom Death is a little bit more. It it has miniatures, but only only in the way that like you know Monopoly has a dog and a hat. Like okay. Yeah, like it's not really a miniatures game. There's like a little play grid and that you that you move them on, and I mean, I think it has like flanking rules and things like that, but it's not like a like a war game. It's kind of a what I think of in my mind is like a boxed game. It has like pretty much everything you need. It's not a kind of lay out your own board type of thing. Well, it is a uh, descent. It's a, it's a descent type game with like uh, community building, like oh, okay. you actually like 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 civilization building. That's what they call it. You develop your city and how how they how they lean. Do they become cannibals and use like bone weapons? Do they develop uh, smithing and make armor? You're getting me thinking now. So to get back, Brian and Camp, both of you to to the final or to the kind of original premise of the episode. And I think maybe to bring us toward a conclusion, this is a question to both of you. If I were to walk into a game store and I'm just, I'm looking around and at one table, I see people with all these painted up miniatures laid out in some kind of a battle formation and they're rolling dice and they're measuring and they're doing all these things. And then I look over at another table and I see things that maybe as a casual, so to speak, I'm a little more familiar with things that look vaguely like Monopoly and that there is some kind of a board laid out and pieces that came out of the box. And I, you know, I could go left, you know, to uh, play the one or right to play the other. How do you let me know what's, how do you explain in a nutshell, sort of the tabletop miniatures based game versus the out of a box game. That's a whole a whole level higher than like my monopoly in terms of complexity and maybe and maybe fun i i mean honestly board game saying i like to play games is a lot like someone saying i like to watch movies that doesn't mean anything do you like comedies actions you know do you like fine cinema do you like popcorn flicks like I, most people and, and i Cam, I'll, I'll ask you to to judge this. Most people who play board games would not enjoy like miniature wargaming. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a much bigger overlap of people who miniature. You know, like obviously people that like that bowl probably. You know, there's more of an overlap. There's less of an overlap with people who bowl and people who like miniature games. Uh, but there, and there's much more of an overlap of people who play board games and people who also play miniature games, but they don't necessarily mesh. No, I mean if you're into like miniatures, a lot of times that's just what you're into. And yeah, maybe you'll like casually sit down and play a board game, but it's very different. You know, it's all, it's almost like just because you like sports doesn't mean you like to uh, you know play all sports. You know, some people play tennis, some people play whatever. It's just uh, there's so many subgenres in there that it's you know. If someone walked into the store and said, I'm interested in board games, you know, what's going on tonight? I would never, ever show them a miniatures game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, forget it. Because that would put that would turn you right off. Like the complexity, the expense involved, right? You would be like, what am I doing? 
the the expense especially because we we were talking about kingdom death but that is a rare rare case it is hard to get into miniatures for less than like a couple hundred bucks yeah yeah and then there are months of painting yeah or the added expense of paying someone to paint them like different hobby entirely sure and and more complicated in certain ways right like not there are mechanics but they're not as kind of implicit in the gameplay maybe one of my old buddies used to love to make fun of one aspect like if you have to take out a tape measure and measure how far your guy's gonna run he would not play it (laughs) okay okay so for listeners who actually may be new to gaming i mean and to bring this kind of to a conclusion with the miniatures games you kind of lay out your play field and you measure movement. It's not like a board game where your movement's sort of predefined along a path, you know, where you're, you're, you're moving from goal to goal to goal. And, but it's not even like a board game where you move one, two or three spaces, right? You move within some, you know, like, like monopoly, you roll a die and, Oh, I got a three. I let me move one, two, three squares. Right. (laughs) Right. Instead you're like measuring your movement. Um, Honestly, I never, I don't, I never understood why they don't just use hexes by default, but, uh, well, some games do. Yeah. That seems more, that seems more approachable. So Cam, I'll give you the, I'll give you the final word. Do you, do you agree with Brian's assessment that sort of the gateway drug here is the, is the board game and the tabletop or the kind of war simulation or miniatures based game is something you graduate to. Do you want to get into something more complicated, advanced and expensive? I wouldn't even say uh, graduate to. Some people are just never going to be interested in that. Right. Okay. Tra- tra- right. Transition to you, Brian, is a probably a better way to put it, would you say? I, you know, you might as well. That's, that's like saying I like movies and sports. You might like tabletop and miniature war games, but... Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people just go directly to the war games. They don't even, you know, do... T- it's just... I think it's just what people like. And like Brian said, you know, it's it's a big expense up front. Um, a lot of people get into it, not even, not even really for the gaming. They get into it for, because they just love painting the minis. Right. You know, right. To, to them, it's just more, more fun. It's more of an art form to them than, than a gaming experience. They just want to sit there, paint up their little army and then lay them all out and see them on the table. It's like, um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's totally different. And, and, and same thing with like RPGs, role, role playing games, like, you know, people that like to play Pathfinder, D and D, uh, you know, uh, cross uh shadow run things like that they don't necessarily play board games either but it's all part of the same universe so it's cool i mean any gaming you to me any gaming is a good thing you, you even video you know video gaming whatever you know if you're gaming and you're having fun with your friends that, that's that's a good thing i agree wholeheartedly and uh yeah i'm, I'm really satisfied with this episode uh having sort of discussed some uh, new things coming out of Gen Con and sort of uh, painted the sort of entry way into gaming for a prospective gamer. So thanks guys. You delivered very well as co-hosts. I appreciate it. We weren't playing around. Oh, nice. Uh, I want to make some kind of a joke about, Oh, there's no need for errata to <laughs> make this episode complete down the line. You painted us. <laughs> Painted us into a corner. Oh, zing. <laughs> what do you say we roll the dice on life and get out of here? <laughs> yes.
<laughs> All right. Listeners, we do hope that we have convinced you to become uh, tabletop and board gamers if you are not already or to double down on the hobby in the wake of this hot news coming out of Gen Con. We will remind you that you can listen to the Nerd Travaganza podcast every week between your gaming sessions or even during if our voices aren't distracting, which they probably are. We have so much to say. Uh, you can do that by checking us out on iTunes or grabbing our show wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, add us to your Google circles, and join the Nerd Travaganza HQ group on Facebook. Measure your movement on over to our website, nerdstravaganza.com, where you can find all of our back episodes and lots of other great, great stuff. Uh, roll on over to YouTube, type nerdstravaganza into the handy dandy search bar, and check out all of our video content. And shoot us an email at nerdstravaganza@gmail.com and let us know if you were at Gen Con, uh, what games you like to play, uh, just anything gaming related or anything else you want to uh spam us with and with that brian we will allocate the remaining action points to you to take us out of here oh i'm sorry did you need that resource <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> stabbed